Welcome to Over and Smith, an HP Lovecraft podcast where we read the complete works of HP Lovecraft and usually do an audiobook, unless the story's too racist or boring. This one isn't today, though. So we're reading At the Mountains of Madness. We're reading the next part of it. Uh, and with me today is somebody who's made a uh, horrifying discovery about some wall carvings that they just found. Art. Hi. Do you know. You know how they're like dick jokes preserved for all of eternity on the walls <laughs> of buried cities? Yeah. Yeah, yeah it was like that, but they're bad dick jokes. Ones I can't even laugh at. No! What is even the point? No! <laughs> you know that guy that was turned, no! into, turned into rock while he was jerking it when Vesuvius <laughs> was erupting? It's not even that cool. <laughs> This is pretty cool. <laughs> like, forever, I mean, it's pretty cool. It's, it's not you're forever immortalized in petrified stone with your hand on your dick. <laughs> kind of like, cool. I mean, like, yeah, like, first off, that that dude rocks. Like, you're just like, that you know what? I'm fucking <laughs> rocks. <laughs> that guy rocks. Now, now is, it as, is it as impactful as the two, as the mother and uh, mother or parent of some sort and child, like, holding each other? No, it's or not that impactful. Or the pair of lovers holding the that they like to say are f- just friends, but we yeah. we know what's going on. It, like, like, is it that? No, but guess what? That that dude decided to just fucking jerk it while Vercardo was going He's off. Like, you know, you know what? <laughs> this is the end. <laughs> it's it's, it's, it's make- a lot like my favorite otter, uh, Eddie, uh, who died, who who loved to do two things: masturbating and slam dunking. Oh, I'm so proud of him. I uh, know he didn't die doing those, but he died of old age. And his thing was he jerked off and he did he did slam dunks in his little like water uh, you basketball know what? thing. That that's the life I wish I had. <laughs> yeah. Uh, just, but you know, uh, we're 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 done talking about uh, about that. Let's let's talk about that uh, people not being rad. Uh, yeah. So, um, Danforth and Trier's date isn't going super well. <laughs> no. Um, so they they did some more exploring of what is essentially an apartment building, and they described in pretty big detail uh the carved murals on all the walls and like how some of them tell stories, some of them tell histories, there's like star charts. There's maps, there's uh, mathematical um, equations, there's all sorts of stuff on the walls. Um, and then they apparently came to the realization, which I like how they even admit it. They're like, yeah, it's um, the things that lived here were the star face things. It's like, yeah, no duh, guys. What else would live there? I mean, other yeah. than the crocodile people, but anyways... <laughs> Uh, yeah, but yeah. I mean, I'm just gonna say that uh, I would have preferred if this was a city full of crocodile people, but but I will say first off, too tall. Their hands can't get that high. <laughs> uh, <laughs> second, <laughs> <laughs> second, probably too cold. Oh well, they said it was a temperate. It was temperate before it was cold. 
Um, I don't know. I feel like I feel like uh, this was it, this is definitely older than what ancient Egypt would have been. Yeah, like they had higher hieroglyphics and stuff, and like you know. Well, this is before. Um, this is like um, like early dinosaurs is how they described it. Yeah. So so the so the ants. No, no, actually, never mind. No, the crocodile ancestors were just crocodiles. Uh, yeah, they were just so. Um, they're tall friends. They are tall. Listen, Sony yeah. has to reach the top shelf. I, I, I do really, I like the idea of dinosaurs building this. I think Dan Forth was right. <laughs> a little carosaurus with their little arms <laughs> doing their little yeah. dance. Oh my god, I've watched <laughs> that video and it has changed my life. <laughs> it's so good. Oh my god. It's so I just- good. Everybody needs to watch the carnosaurus uh, a clip from prehistoric park. It's so good. It changed my life. It'll it is, change your life I, too. I watched it. I think four or five times. There's so many TikToks of that set to music, and they're all they're all perfect. They're all perfect. But yeah, Carnosaurus is doing their little dancey dance. Uh, pterosaurs. Stegosaurus with their Thagomizers. I I want a city of dinosaurs, not like Dinotopia, where there's people like just dinosaurs. Oh, yeah. oh, what was that movie? Uh, oh no, there's a show that was really good. That was uh, it was about people from the future discover time travel, and they're just like, we fucked up this world so badly. Why don't we go back into prehistory to um. Dino- it's not Dinotopia, it's what it's something else. Uh, but they go back in time to dinosaur times to like have oh, a colony. Um Terra Nova? It- Terra Nova, yes! It that that show should have gotten a second season. It was such Terra a good Nova, show. It had Stephen Lang, uh Ashley Zuckerman was his uh son. Um his really like- angsty son. It ended on a cliff no- a cliffhanger where, like, it turns out, like, stuff from other... Like, they found, like, a Spanish galleon in a valley somewhere. Yeah! And, like, they're just like, what's going on? Uh, Fox canceled us. That's what happened. Uh, but, man, Terra Nova was such a good show. I know exactly what you're talking to. Yeah. <sighs> like, it even I- had a really fun thing where people were smuggling dinosaurs to the future. Yeah! Yeah, because uh, Christopher Lang's uh, angsty son was part of that. Yeah, it was real good. I liked it a lot. Like, I don't know. I miss it. I yeah. miss it. Um, but yeah, it could have been a Terra Nova situation, but no. We have to have these star face things. Yeah. I like to imagine they wiggle. Yeah, they probably do wiggle. I want them to wiggle. But yeah, that's where we're at. Um, you could dryer. say their money oh. don't jiggle jiggle it <laughs> I want to see they a jiggle, wiggle jiggle. wiggle for sure <laughs> yeah, they they jiggle their money don't I want to see you jiggle jiggle for sure <laughs> <laughs> love he's uh. like driving in a Fiat <laughs> six foot four <laughs> such a good rap <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, trying to picture a six foot four man trying to fit in a Fiat is very good. 
But yeah, so let's get back to Danforth and Dreyer having some upsetting times here in the these, frankly, actually what sounds like pretty cool apartments, I'm not gonna lie. I mean, they're probably better than mine. Like, if it wasn't if it wasn't covered in a glacial sheet, it'd probably be like a great place to live. I don't know. Maybe that sounds great. It sounds like the like the airflow probably is pretty good. <laughs> you'll <laughs> you'll never get hot in summer. Yeah. <laughs> it's always air conditioned. Always. <laughs> like, sure, will I get tired of eating only fish? Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. You can eat penguins too. Yeah. I don't like them. I don't respect them as a species. They're (laughs) birds. They probably taste like chicken, but like fishy. So like frog legs, basically, from what I've heard. All right. Let's get this party started. Let's learn about how much worse this date will go for Danforth and Dryer. (laughs) At the Mountains of Madness by H.P. Lovecraft. Chapter 7. The full story so far as deciphered will shortly appear in an official bulletin of the Miskatonic University. Here I shall sketch only the salient highlights in a formless rambling way, myth or otherwise. The sculptures told of the coming of those star-headed things to the nascent, lifeless earth out of cosmic space. Their coming and the coming of many other alien entities, such as at certain times embark upon spatial pioneering. They seem able to traverse the interstellar either on their vast membranous wings, thus oddly confirming some curious hill folklore long ago told to me by an antiquarian colleague. They had lived under the sea a good deal building fantastic cities and fighting terrific battles with nameless adversaries by means of intricate devices employing unknown principles of energy. Evidently, their scientific and mechanical knowledge far surpassed man's today. Even though they made use of its more widespread and elaborate forms, only when obliged to. Some of these sculptures suggested they had passed through a stage of mechanized life on other planets but had proceeded upon finding its effects emotionally unsatisfying. Their preternatural toughness of organization and simplicity of natural wants made them peculiarly able to live on a high plane without the more specialized fruits of artificial manufacture, and even without garments, except for occasional protection against the elements. They were naked. So, was the antiquarian that they were talking about... uh... Like, I feel like it's either Wilmarth or um, Armitage. I'm I'm pretty sure it's Wilmarth because I'm pretty sure they mentioned Wilmarth earlier in the story. Oh, they also mention, um, they also mention flying, uh, flying uh, creatures. Yeah, so I'm pretty sure it's Wilmarth because that's how Wilmarth described the crab creatures. They had wings that they flew through space on. Hmm. I wish I had wings to fly through space. I know, right? Damn. Well, they gotta put your brain in a jar in order for you to travel with them, apparently. I mean, at this point, it'd probably be better off. I don't know. Which, you know what? I'll survive. I'm built different. Yeah. I don't, I don't need... I don't, R.I.P. R. R. <laughs> to Akeley. I'm built different. <laughs> you know, Akeley, Akeley was a little bitch. He was a little bitch. He's an old man. He don't know nothing. I'm young. Can't knock me over with a pail of water. It was under the sea at first for food and later for other purposes. 
and they first created Earth life using available substances according to long-known methods. The more elaborate experiments came after the annihilation of various cosmic enemies. They had done the same thing on other planets, but certain multicellular protoplasmic masses, capable of molding their tissues into all sorts of temporary organs, under hypnotic influence, and thereby forming ideal slaves to perform the heavy work of the community. These viscous masses were without a doubt what Abdul Azared whispered about as the Shagas in his frightful Necronomicon. Though even the mad Arab had not hinted at any existed on Earth, except in the dreams of those who had chewed a certain alkaloidal herb. When the star-headed old ones on this planet had synthesized their simple food forms, a bread, a good supply of shogos, they allowed other cell groups to develop into other forms of animal and vegetable life for sundry purposes. Extirpating any of those presents became troublesome. Okay, so, fun facts. Uh, so, shogoths are also mentioned in The Shadow of Rensmith and The Thing on the Doorstep. In his notes for the Mountains of Madness, Lovecraft explicitly described Shogoths, without identifying them as such, as hideous, giant, luminous, savagely intelligent protoplas masses composed of plastic, jet-black, reflective, iridescent bubbles and capable of forming temporary organs adaptable to any medium, air, water, neither spawn Nether spawned from the inner earth. Mimic piping voices. 15 feet diameter as sphere, but viscous like a uh, sahaga. And uh, apparently that came out of something about cats and other pieces, which, by the way, that's where people get uh, a lot of Lovecraft's racist stuff that came out of his Oh, yeah. <laughs> Don't read that. No, no. The, the uh, uh, his poems about cats are nice. Uh, for yeah, part. all of his poems about cats are great. It's yeah. all of his poems about other things that are not. Yeah, he he gets real racist in his poems. Uh, but uh, but but yeah, I um, I okay. So plastic, jet black, reflective iridescent bubbles are capable of forming temporary organs. I mean, I don't know if I like the idea of. I don't like that. Let's say that. I don't like it. (laughs) (laughs) No, thank you. No, thank you. You know, uh, please stop me if I'm being, like, bigoted or something. No. No. They're not allowed. No. No, thank you. Come back another time. No, thanks. Yeah, no, thank I don't like anything that just uh, makes new organs. No, no, if it was just an orb, yes. Orbs, I'm proud of. I love orbs. Love it. Yeah. But they they, they make orbs. Orb fans here. Yeah. Uh, That's why why we're Orb Fan uh, 2018 and Orb Fan 1998. One of us (laughs) got here real late. (laughs) (laughs) But, like, quickly shot up the Orb Fan. That's a network. (laughs) (laughs) It's a big one. (laughs) Lots of people love orbs, okay? There's a good shape. 
I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> it's shaped like a friend. It is the friend shape. With the aid of the Shogos, whose expansions could be made to lift prodigious weights, the small, low cities under the sea grew to vast, imposing labyrinths of stone, not unlike those which later rose on land. Indeed, the adaptable old ones had lived much on land and other parts of the universe, and probably retained many traditions of land construction. As we studied in the architecture of all these sculptured Paleogean cities, including what that those aeon dead corridors we were even then traversing, we were impressed by the curious coincidence which we have not yet tried to explain even to ourselves. The tops of the buildings, which in an actual city around us had of course been weathered into shapeless ruins ages ago, were clearly yeah, were clearly displayed in the boss reliefs and shewed vast clusters of needle-like spires, delicate finials on certain cone and pyramid apexes, and tiers of thin horizontal scalp discs, capping cylindrical shafts. This was exactly what we had seen in that monstrous and portentous mirage cast by a dead city once such skyline features had been absent for thousands and tens of thousands of years, which loomed on our ignorant eyes across the unfathomed mountains of madness as we first approached Four Lakes' ill-fated camp. Of the life of the old ones, both under the sea and after part of them migrated to land, volumes could be written. Those in shallow water had continued the fullest use of the eyes and ends of their five main head tentacles, and had practiced the arts of sculpture and of writing in unique and unusual way. The writing accomplished with a stylus on waterproof waxen surfaces. Those lower down in the ocean depths, though they used a curious phosphorescent organism to furnish light, pieced out their vision with obscure, special senses operating through the prismatic cilia on their heads. Senses which rendered all the old ones partly independent of light in emergencies. Their forms of sculpture and writing had changed curiously during the descent, embodying certain apparently chemical coating processes, probably to secure phosphorescence which the boss reliefs could not make clear to us. The beings moved in the sea partly by swimming, using the lateral crinoid arms, and partly by wriggling with the lower tier of tentacles containing the pseudo-feet. Occasionally, they accomplished long swoops with the auxiliary use of two or more sets of fan-like folding wings. On land, they locally used pseudo-feet, but now and then flew to great heights over long distances with their wings. The many slender tentacles into which the crinoid arms branched were infinitely delicate, flexible, strong, and accurate in muscular nervous coordination, ensuring utmost skill and dexterity in all artistic and other manual operations. Okay, these old ones are actually sounding like an interesting society. Yeah. I, I like the I like the little eye stalks. I've always been a big fan of eye stalks. I love eye stalks. It's like snails, but more. It's like several snails put together. But yeah, this is I like I like these guys. They sound fun, except that they make shogos. That's a little terrifying. Yeah, well, you know the 
I'm not a big fan of show goths. I don't know if that's again. Tell me if I'm being bigoted. Not a big fan though. <laughs> not to be racist, but show goths. <laughs> it's uh. Well, what it? What is it? The like if I was an awful person in the Marvel universe, my uh, uh, my grinder profile would be no fats, no fins, no Atlanteans. <laughs> God damn it! <laughs> God damn it, Art! <laughs> Rude. Now you crossed the line. Well, I mean, I said if I was an awful person in the Marvel universe. If you were, but you're not. No. No. I'm I'm a medium person in the real world. <laughs> <laughs> I'd fuck Namor, okay? <laughs> yeah, you know. It's... Who wouldn't? <laughs> it's mostly for his human size, though. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, he's hot. What am I supposed to do? Not fuck him? <laughs> yeah, dude, you have no other choice. It's required community service. It's like like if Oscar Isaacs was just like, yo, we're gonna fuck you have to. Like it's it's by law. You know what, Oscar? Yeah, we gotta. It says right here in the uh US Constitution. (laughs) The twenty eighth amendment was you have to fuck Oscar Isaac if he asks. (laughs) If he asks, you have to. He has to ask, though. He can't imply. He has to say it out loud. He has, he has to say it. He has to say it clearly and specifically. There could be no double entendre, and there could be no, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, in, implication. Yeah. He, he has to say, do you want to fuck? And he, you have to say yes. Yeah. While looking, in the, while looking in your, each other's eyes. Yes. It's the only way. <laughs> He's got such beautiful eyes. Yes. Alright, let's learn more about these 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 wiggly guys. Yeah. With their pseudo feet that they take pseudo feet pics of. I bet. Can can you <laughs> <laughs> There'd be so many people who would pay a lot for pseudo feet pics. <laughs> Wiki feet takes a hard stance against pseudo feet. <laughs> like, no more pseudo feet. This is wiki feet. You we want will pseudo- allow, we will allow pictures with socks on before we will allow pseudo feet. <laughs> pseudo feet. You gotta go to wiki pseudo or pseudo wiki feet if you want to post your pseudo feet. <laughs> There's another place for that. <laughs> I know their website isn't built as well, but you gotta go there. The toughness of the things was almost incredible. Even the terrific pressures of the deepest sea bottoms appeared powerless to harm them. Very few seemed fact that they covered their vertically inhumed dead with five-pointed inscribed mounds, set up thoughts and Danforth in me, which made fresh pause and recuperation necessary after the sculptures revealed it. The beings multiplied by means of spores, like vegetable pteridophytes, as Lake had suspected. But owing to their prodigious toughness and longevity, the consequent lack of replacement need, they did not encourage large-scale development of new prothali, except when they had new regions to colonize. The young matured swiftly and received an education evidently beyond any standard we can imagine. 
The prevailing intellectual and aesthetic life was highly evolved and produced a tenaciously enduring set of customs and institutions, which I shall describe more fully in my coming monograph. These varied slightly according to seer land residents, but had the same foundations and essentials. Though able, like vegetables, to derive nourishment from inorganic substances, they vastly preferred organic and especially animal food. They ate uncooked marine life under the sea, but cooked their viands on land. They hunted game and raised meat herds, slaughtering with sharp weapons whose odd marks on certain fossil bones our expedition had noted. They resisted all ordinary temperatures marvelously, and their natural state could live on water down to freezing. When the great chill of the Pleistocene grew on, however, nearly a million years ago, the land dwellers had to resort to special measures, including artificial heating, until at last the deadly cold appeared to have driven them back into the sea. For their prehistoric flights through cosmic space, legend said they had absorbed certain chemicals and became almost independent of eating, breathing, or heat conditions. But by the time of the great cold, they had lost track of the method. In any case, they could not have prolonged the artificial state indefinitely without harm. Being non-pairing and semi-vegetable in structure, the old ones had no biological basis for the family phase of mammal life that seemed to organize large households on the principles of comfortable space utility. And as we deduce from the pictured occupations and diversions of co-dwellers, congenial mental association. And furnishing their homes, they kept everything in the center of the large rooms, leaving all the wall spaces free for decorative treatment. Lighting, in the case of the land inhabitants, was accomplished by a device probably electrochemical in nature. Both on land and underwater, they used curious tables, chairs, and couches like cylindrical frames, for they rested and slept upright with fold-down tentacles and racks for the hinged set of dotted surfaces forming their books. I'm not a fan of having everything in the center of the room. Yeah. So, like, yeah. I feel like you can do both. I feel like you can have things on the wall as well as walls as yeah. well as have, uh, you know, your other things. But, you know, it's whatever. I really like that that they like to have friends. Well, you know, that they are social creatures. That's why they made the show goths. I like that they like to hang out together. That's really nice. (laughs) I don't know why. (laughs) They just like being together. I mean, it's hard to have a society if everyone doesn't like being together. Exactly. I like that they just find a bunch of random roommates. They're like, yo, let's do it. Let's make jello shots and carve sculptures. Woo! Let's touch the tip of our eyes together. Whoa, whoa. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's when they decided that Phil is no longer allowed. Uh, (laughs) Phil, that was too too much. (laughs) Too much. Too much, buddy. Remember, we we reproduce through spores. Bro. (laughs) You just... Eat. Why? Why are you doing that? To get out, Phil. Get Phil, out. Take your eye stocks and go touch something else. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I want to. I want to say that to just a normal human being one day. <laughs> take your eye stocks and go touch something else. <laughs> 
government was evidently complex and probably socialistic, though no certainties in this regard could be deduced from the sculptures we saw. There was extensive commerce, both local and between different cities, certain small flat counters, bi-pointed and inscribed, serving as money. Probably the smaller of the various greenish soapstones found by our expedition were pieces of such currency. Though the culture was mainly urban, some are some agricultural, and much stock raising existed. Mining and a limited amount of manufacturing were also practiced. Travel was very frequent, but permanent migrations seemed relatively rare, for the vast colonizing movements by which the race expanded. For personal locomotion, no external aid was used, since the land, air, and water movement alike the old ones seemed to possess excessively vast capacities for speed. Loads, however, were drawn by beasts of burden, shogoths under the sea, and curious variety of primitive vertebrates in the later years of land existence. These vertebrates, as well as an affinity of other life forms, animal and vegetable, marine, terrestrial, and aerial, were the products of unguided evolution acting on life cells, made by the old ones but escaping beyond their radius of attention. They had been suffered to develop unchecked because they had not come in conflict with the dominant beings. Bothersome forms, of course, were mechanically exterminated, but interested us to see, in some of the very last and most decadent sculptures, a shambling primitive mammal, used sometimes for food and sometimes as an amusing buffoon by the land dwellers, whose vaguely simian and human foreshadowing were unmistakable. In the building of land cities, the huge stone blocks of the high towers were generally lifted by vast-winged pterodactyls of a species heretofore unknown to paleontology. Okay, do you want a, a long fun fact? Yes. Okay, so Tell me. this this was from after the uh, the eugenicsy part. Um, so. <clears throat> The similar views on eugenics expressed by another alien race uh, in The Shadow Out of Time. Um, below, wait, no, below, okay. In uh, the late 19th century and early 20th century, Darwin's theories had been transmuted by scientists and some political leaders into the idea that, you, that the genetic composition of human population should be managed. Uh, Darwin's cousin, Sir F uh, Francis Galton, Credited the first modern use of eugen uh, of the term eugenics uh, in eighteen eighty three to replace to replace viroculture. Viroculture is a, a lot better name, but it's cooler name. But also, it is. Uh, yeah. Also, a terrible concept. <laughs> yeah, terrible concept, but cooler name. Uh, yeah. Which he suggests suggested the earlier, but he had come to feel that it was like clumsy. Hey. Fuck off. The other one's cooler. Uh, <laughs> reported. Uh, so Galton reported to the British government in 1909 that ev out of one out of every 118 persons were mad, feeble minded or idiotic and recommended colonies to separate them from the remainder of the populace. Okay, listen, listen, bitch, just at me next time. <laughs> yeah, well, here's the fun part. Just and this is the part at me. 
People don't talk about how Winston Churchill in 1910 was just like, oh, yo, horrible. Yo, you, we should uh, maybe, Awful. I don't know, sterilize these moral degenerates. Oh, and, yeah. Also horrifically racist. Yeah. Horrifically. He, he also, he wasn't mad at the Nazis because they were Nazis. He was mad because they, they were cutting into what he wanted to do. He was also mad because they were German and not British. Yeah, like <laughs> like they were cutting into his colonialism. Yeah, God that's why I didn't like it. Yeah, um, Churchill yeah, like, was not a great of, person. So, uh, the things he said about the Middle East, Pakistan, and India are horrific. They're awful. Yeah, the way but, he talks about them and how he decided that the British uh, military should treat them is awful it's yeah so uh and as late as uh 1934 the brock committee uh or in the so-called brock report recommended voluntary sterilization of mental defectives quote-unquote um the report chief signatory sir lantis brock was uh, a chairman of british of the britain's board of control for lunacy and mental deficiency uh, Lovecraft sympathized with such of these views. See, in particular, the lurking fear. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He did talk about inbreeding a lot in that, though. Yeah. And mostly uh, by rich families. <laughs> uh, written in uh, 1923, for example, the moral degeneracy and suggestions that sterilization should have been, could have avoided the problem. His support of Hitler's eugenics programs and his support of Hitler's eugenic programs included the racial cleansing advocated by uh, Ernst Rudin and others, as uh, is well known. Yet Lovecraft's views, extreme as they were, may sound today. He must have been regarded in context of prevailing cultural attitudes. I both agree and disagree with that because people knew that it was bad back then. Yeah, people knew it was bad. Like the Nazi party had a like had a pretty big like amount of support in the U.S. Though a well, lot of people don't like that's not an excuse, by the way. A lot like of people Hitler don't realize how much Americans love Nazis before World War II. Like we had we had an American Nazi party. Yeah, they were real <laughs> into them. Yeah. Also, also like. Uh, Hitler thought the U.S. would have uh, joined uh, Hitler's side. I mean, yeah. Germany's side as well. Like um, um, when Stanley and um, uh, the rest of the Marvel authors and artists released that cover of Captain America punching Hitler in the face. It was extremely controversial. Yes, people got very mad. They in fact went to the Marvel Studios, which was in New York at this time. And like threatened to riot and burn down the building, but thankfully the mayor of the of New York at the time was like really into their comics and really liked them, uh, and basically set the entire police force down. Yeah, which uh, I mean, half of them were probably already there. Yeah, probably they didn't have <laughs> knowing, to go that far. Knowing how cops operate. <laughs> yeah. So, um. See, for example, Martin S. Uh, Pernick's The Black Stork, Eugenics and the Death of Defective Babies in American 
medicine and motion picture since 15, since 1915. By the 30s, many Americans were, uh, states required serialization of defectives, individual, defective individuals who failed to meet standards based on IQ tests, income, education, criminal behavior, and even physical appearance. Uh, the adoption of the eugenicist view, uh, count, uh, eugenicist viewpoint by Nazi Germany led to its eventual rejection. Um, uh, though people just don't think it's eugenics anymore whenever they call for it. Uh, people, yeah. No. Like, hear, hear someone talk about a disabled person just once. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you can quickly find out what they really think yeah, about there's- people. There's a lot of people that are around nowadays that won't want you to use the word eugenics, but they definitely would be a eugenicist. Oh, 100%. Yep. So. Um, yeah, swaths of uh, women of color and other people with uteruses were ster- forcibly sterilized, usually without their knowledge in the 20th century. Well, uh, people were uh, people at the border were forcefully uh, sterilized. Yep. Within the last couple of years. Yep. So yeah. Yeah, I mean, look at Henrietta Lacks. Her uh, cells were used as a uh, for uh, scientific research. She had no idea, and she never got anything from it. But 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 yeah. Uh, but yeah, I just um. You know, just there's there's just a long thing about you should, <laughs> yeah. And there's by the way, if you want to, uh, there's actually a pretty decent, uh, it's long form, it's like I think six parts. But if you uh subscribe to the um, the five dollar tier of QAnon Anonymous, uh, Travis View, who is the uh, who I would like to call the smart one out of them, uh. <laughs> Uh, did a uh, did I think a four part series on how um, eugenicists in America basically it's pretty good. Yep. So there's also also there's behind the bastards multiple one uh, ones about uh, eugenicists and stuff like that. Oh, so plenty. there's a lot. Uh, but yeah, people need to learn about what eugenicists uh, uh, eugenics are because uh, a lot of people espouse them. Yeah. Yep. So. It is ingrained in our society. All yeah. right, let's get back to these these wiggly boys. Yeah, uh, the eugenicist wiggly boys. The eugenicist wiggly boys. <sighs> the persistence with which the old ones survived various geologic changes and convulsions of the Earth's crust was little short of miraculous. Though few or none of their first cities seemed to have remained beyond the Archaean Age, there was no interruption in their civilization or the transmission of their records. Their original place of advent to the planet was the Antarctic Ocean, and it was likely that they came not long after the matter forming the moon was wrenched from the neighboring South Pacific. According to one of the sculptured maps, the whole globe was then underwater, and some with stone cities scattered farther and farther from the Antarctic as aeons passed. Another map shows a vast bulk of dry land around the South Pole, where it is evident that some of the beings made experimental settlements, though their main centers were transferred to the nearest sea bottom. Later maps, which display this landmass as cracking and drifting and sending certain detached parts northward, 
uphold in a striking way the theories of continental drift lately advanced by Taylor, Wagner, and Jolie. Okay, so more fun facts. Yay, we get to learn about the Earth! Yeah, so uh, this theory of the origin of the moon is known as the fission theory and has been rejected. It was first developed, the first developed this theory was George H. Darwin, the son of Charles Darwin. In 1878, his, he postulated that the Earth and the moon consisted of common molten viscous mass, uh, and the sun's tidal action, he argued, triggered fission, the, and the mass approximately, approximately equal to that of the moon spun off of the rapidly rotating Earth. The other later, others later proposed that the basin of the Pacific Ocean uh, left us was a scar left over from the separation. Ah. As late as the nineteen, as late as nineteen thirty six, the fission theory still had widespread popularity, as evidenced by a nineteen thirty six U.S. Department of Education script for a radio program on the subject of the moon, uh, and. In the words of Stephen G. Brush, or Brush, wow, Stephen uh, G. Brush, The Early History of Senio Nagi, uh, 1986, it had become translated into popular mythology. In scientific search, uh, circles, R- British astronomer Harold Jeffries announced in 1930 that he had discovered that he considered to be a fatal objection to the theory, and his views were subsequently adopted. Having set sail in September 1930, however, the narrator, Dreyer, may not have had time to catch up on his reading of the British scientific journals. Today, scientists still have, still have not agreed on the theory of the moon's creation, even with data provided by lunar exploration. I know some people theorized that it was uh, a chunk of earth got hit off yeah um during the formation of earth another celestial body hit earth and a combined chunk of the two uh became the moon because like the moon does have very similar uh geological traits to earth our moon is also huge huge compared to every other moon in our solar system jupiter has like fucking 18 moons none of them are nearly as big as our moon compared to earth is so big it's which is why we can hide so many nazis on it yeah to give you an idea the moon is bigger than russia well of course have you seen the moon (laughs) (laughs) you believe in the moon (laughs) (laughs) the moon is obviously an egg Uh, no the moon is lesbian and me and her are getting married I'm s- no, it's an egg. It's gonna. K- okay, we're gonna fight. We're gonna fight on no chunk. Oh, no. uh- <laughs> the two competing ideologies. The moon is an egg. No, the moon is a lesbian. <laughs> um. <clears throat> I like how they're not even opposite. It could be an egg and a lesbian. It's the moon. <laughs> no, it's totally an egg. It's, it's hollow. Uh, yeah. That's where uh, they're keeping all the Nazis. 
But, yeah, it's where they keep all the Nazis, in the middle of the moon. In the moon. Yeah, yeah I okay. can certainly see how the Fisher theory gained traction. Like, listening to that, if I didn't know what I know about the moon right now, I'd be like, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, the Pacific Ocean's pretty deep. Who knows? I haven't been to the moon. I don't know. I mean, I've been to the moon a couple of times. It has a bunch of evil toad people on it. (laughs) They suck. I know. They suck. I still love Randolph Carter being like, I don't know why they don't have windows in their buildings. It's so dark I can't see. And it's like, the first description of them is that they have no eyes. Well, I mean... It's like Randolph, they they don't they don't need windows because they don't have eyes. What are they like going to look at? <laughs> it's like how cave salamanders don't have windows in their houses. <laughs> oh, it all makes sense now. <laughs> I need to, I'm going to ask Metzli about that. Like, Metzli, if you ever visited an Ulm before, what was it like? What was their house like? Did it have windows? <laughs> I need to know. <laughs> Were they polite? <laughs> did they give you snacks? Oh, they probably did. Oh, 100%. They seem like very polite little guys. With the upheaval of new land in the South Pacific, tremendous events began. Some of the marine cities were hopelessly shattered. Yet that was not the worst misfortune. Another race, a land race of being shaped like octopi and probably corresponding to the fabulous pre-human spawn of Cthulhu, soon began filtering down from cosmic infinity with precipitated monstrous war which for a time drove the Old Ones wholly back to the sea, a colossal blow in the view of the increasing land settlements. Later, peace was made, and the new lands were given to the Cthulhu spawn, whilst the Old Ones held the sea and the older lands. New land cities were founded, the greatest of them in the Antarctic. For this region, a first arrival was sacred. From then on, as before, the Antarctic remained the center of the Old One civilization, and all the discoverable cities built there by the Cthulhu spawn were blotted out. Then, suddenly, the lands of the Pacific sank again, taking with them the frightful stone city of Relay and all the cosmic octopi, so that the Old Ones were again supreme on the planet, except for one shadowy fear about which they did not like to speak. At a rather later stage, their cities dotted all the land and water areas of the globe. Hence the recommendation in my coming monograph that some archaeologists make systematic borings with Pavodi's type of apparatus in certain widely separated regions. The steady tread down the ages was from water to land of movement, encouraged by the rise of new land masses, though the ocean was never wholly deserted. Another cause of the landward movement was the new difficulty in breeding and managing the Shogoths, upon which successful sea life depended. With the march of time, as the sculptures sadly confessed, the art of creating new life from inorganic matter had been lost, so that the old ones had to depend on the molding of forms already in existence. On land, the great reptiles proved highly tractable, but the Shogoths of the sea, reproducing by fission and acquiring a dangerous degree of accidental intelligence presented for a time a formidable problem well yeah once your uh, once your orbs that can make uh organs that will uh get a little bit of intelligence like you're you're a little fucked yeah <laughs> yeah you don't want those things to be smart 
No. No, like, what? Wait. I I have the concept of death, and also, I can just, I don't know, be in the sea or land anytime I want? Guys, I figured it out. You have to put the triangle peg in the triangle hole. No, no, it all goes into the square hole. Oh, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> the old ones are like, fuck, 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 they're learning. <laughs> Like that one TikTok where she's like, no, stop it. <laughs> I know, I love it. That's right. It goes in the square hole. <laughs> so That's exactly what happened with the old ones in the Shogoths. The Shogoths figured out the secret. All of them go in the square hole. They all go. The old ones are like, oh, no, no. <laughs> They had always been controlled through the hypnotic suggestion of the old ones and had modeled their tough plasticity into various useful temporary limbs and organs. But now their self-modeling powers were sometimes exercised independently and in various imitative forms implanted by past suggestion. They had, it seemed, developed a semi-stable brain whose separate and occasionally stubborn volition echoed the will of the old ones without always obeying it. Sculptured images of these shogoths filled Danforth and me with horror and loathing. They were normally shapeless entities composed of viscous jelly, which looks like an agglination of bubbles, and each averaged about 15 feet in diameter when a sphere. They had, however, a constantly shifting shape and volume throwing out temporary developments or forming apparent organs of sight, hearing, and speech in imitation of their masters, either spontaneously or according to suggestions. Oh, I know what they should do. What? They should get, they should get a small fake laptop so they stop sitting on their laptop. <laughs> <laughs> get them a little textbook so they stop laying on your textbook. They just want to do the thing you're doing. They love you. They love you so much. <laughs> Shogoths are just cats. That makes so much sense now. I mean, they'll do what you say, but only sometimes. And they are very independent, but they aren't that smart. Also, cats are often 15 feet when they're orbs. <laughs> I Sometimes I wake up in the middle of the night and I just see I just see Meester Orban in the middle of my room and I'm like, hey, stop it. We don't have enough space for that, buddy. Hey, it's not silly time right now. <laughs> it's silly time. Silly time is also Orban time. It is time to become Orb. They seem to have become peculiarly intractable towards the middle of the Permian Age, perhaps 150 million years ago, when a veritable war of free subjugation was waged upon them by the marine old ones. Pictures of this war, and of the headless, slime-coated fashion in which some of the Shogoths typically left their slain victims, uh, held a marvelously fearsome quality, despite the intervening abyss of untold ages. The old ones had used curious weapons of molecular disturbance against the rebel entities, and in the end had achieved a complete victory. Thereafter, the sculptures shewed a period in which Shogoths were tamed and broken by armed old ones, as the wild horses of the American West were tamed by cowboys. 
Though during the rebellion, the Shogoths had shown an ability to live out of water, this transition was not encouraged, since their usefulness on land would have hardly been commiserate with the trouble of their management. During the Jurassic Age, the Old Ones met fresh adversity in the form of new invasion from outer space, this time by half-fungus, half-crustacean creatures from a planet identifiable as the remote and recently discovered Pluto. These creatures undoubtedly the same as those figuring in certain whispered hill legends of the north, and remembered in the Himalayas as the Migo, or abominable snowmen. Oh. Yeah, it's the it's the creatures from um from uh Whisper in the Darkness. Yeah. Yeah. Apparently them and the Wiggly Boys fought. Well, I mean it would make sense that the uh the, the crabs as much as I uh the like to as much as I like to imagine them as regular crabs, are, they're mean. They are mean. They don't eat baby bill, uh, baby, oh, laughing bill cheeses with their stomach. <laughs> no, no, no. They don't wave their happy little arms on their mouth. They drive cars and take the brains out of old men and put them in jars. <sighs> Which I'd say is mean. Yeah, yeah. Akeley was a cool dude. Rude. To fight these beings, the Old Ones attempted for the first time in their terrain advent to sally forth again to the planetary ether, but despite all traditional preparations, found it no longer possible to leave Earth's atmosphere. Whatever the old secret of interstellar travel had been, it was now definitely lost to the race. In the end, the Migo drove out the Old Ones out of all the northern lands, though they were powerless to disturb those in the sea. Little by little, the slow retreat of the Elder Race to their original Antarctic habitat was beginning. It was curious to note from the pictured battles that both the Cthulhu Spawn and the Migo seemed to have been composed of matter more widely different from that which we know was the substance of the Old Ones. They were able to undergo transformations and reintegrations impossible for their adversaries, and seemed therefore to have originally come from even remoter gulfs of cosmic space. The old ones, but for their abnormal toughness and peculiar vital properties, were strictly material and must have had their absolute origin within the known space-time continuum, whereas the first sources of other beings can only be guessed at with bated breaths. All this, of course, assuming that the non-terrestrial linkages and the anomalies ascribed to the invading foes are not purely mythological. Oh. All this, of course, assuming that the non-terrestrial linkages and the anomalies ascribed to the invading foes are not purely mythology. Conceivably, the old ones might have invented cosmic framework to account for their occasional defeats, since the historical interest and pride obviously formed their chief psychological element. It is significant that their annals fail to mention many advanced and potent races of beings whose mighty cultures and towering cities figure persistently in certain obscure legends. Well, we do know that the uh, the crab people actually are some other kind of matter. Yeah. Yeah, and we know that Cthulhu is also, what's the wording for? Not exactly cor corporeal. Yeah, just corporeal enough to have his belly hit, and he's just like, no. Ow! No. That's how Cthulhu got a belly button. Yeah. Now we know! It's a fun fact. I, okay, here's the thing. I'm uh -huh. loving it so far. Loving it so far, okay? <laughs> yeah. I would not believe Dryer 
an 80 aspect. I'd be like, this is some bullshit. Like, I'd be like, wow, this is a really good story you wrote, Dryer. What did you actually see? <laughs> <laughs> just some rocks? It's okay if it was just rocks. Were they cool rocks? I want to see the cool rocks. I'm starting to think you killed and ate all of the other people on your team, except for Dan <laughs> Forth. Uh, so. And Pabodi. I guess Pabodi's still alive. Oh, yeah, Pabodi's still alive. Pabodi's cool. He watched. Yeah. <laughs> He's just. Oh, there wait, Danforth isn't going to tell anyone about the th- horrible thing he saw? Wow, that makes you sound <laughs> real innocent. Wow. How convenient that he won't talk about your trip and that he's been institutionalized. Hmm. (laughs) (laughs) How interesting that the only other witness can't talk about anything. (laughs) Yeah, I just, I'm being (sighs) real suspicious. Suspicious, for sure. For sure changing state of the world through long geologic ages appeared with startling vividness in many of the sculpture maps and scenes. In certain cases, existing science will require revision, while in other cases, its bold deductions are magnificently confirmed. As I have said, the hypothesis of Taylor, Wagner, and Jolly that all the continents are fragments of an original Antarctic landmass, which cracked from centrifugal force and drifted apart over a technically viscous lower surface, a hypothesis suggested by such things as the complementary outlines of Africa and South America, and the way the great mountain chains are rolled and shoved up, receives striking support from this uncanny source. If I'm remembering correctly, Plate Tetonic, tectonics was like laughed at for like until not that long ago i know which it seems so silly now looking at yeah how uh africa and south america fit together yeah like i forget it but like it was in the it was in the 1900s yep yeah it was very recent tectonic plates were yeah so but like but like it was a crackpot theory for a while Mm -hmm. i wish i had the uh, actual like do you want me to look it up? I can look it up. If you could, that'd be great. I want to say it was a 60s. I want to say it was accepted in the 60s. And tectonic plates. Tectonic plate theory. Oh, my phone autocorrected something weird. There we There's go. Platonic plate theories. Platonic plate theories. Yeah, it's just uh it's when everyone's, yeah. like, real chill with it. Yeah, yeah, Plate tectonics came to be generally accepted by geoscientists after seafloor spreading was validated in the mid to late 1960s. Which is, which is crazy when you think about it, because, like, a Greek person... Uh, I think it was... Was it a Greek or an Egyptian, or was it both? Whatever. Um, well, we, it looks like Leonardo da Vinci theorized it. Well, no, no, but, like, the, like the, roughly the sh- uh, shape... Not be sorry, not shape, but size of the earth was discovered in like. Oh, that was Egyptian. Yep, because Egyptian, he, yeah. yeah, he measured yeah quite a few things. Um, yeah, and then but then like everyone was just like, I don't know how how the stuff gets here. It's it's just here. It's just here. Well, um, fun fact about um Columbus who sucked. Um, 
and I'm glad he died penniless and in prison. Um, he so despite what the song that everybody teaches children says, he actually thought the world was flat. And Isabella and Ferdinand were like, no, it's not. You stupid bitch. Get the fuck out of our court. <laughs> like, everybody knew that the world was round. and But Columbus was like, no, it's flat. This guy said so once. He this gave guy me this named map. Mark Sargent did it. He, he <laughs> gave me, he has this really cool, like, uh, video. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, in case you don't know, Mark Sargent is, like, the person that a lot of pe- flat earthers say, like, made like, them see the truth. God damn, fucking Tila Tequila <laughs> believes Mark Sargent. It's, uh... God! Uh, <laughs> <Ugh>. <laughs> you reminded me of him. No, so Weirdly mad. enough, though, he's not, like, a Christian fascist like a lot of the other... I know, like tequila, tequila, uh, tequila, tequila turned out to be a neo-Nazi. Yeah, well, but like Mark Sargent isn't like a isn't like a weird like Christian Dominionist fascist. So it's so weird that yeah, the, he the doesn't crossover. believe it. Yeah, he doesn't believe in creationism, and yet he believes in flat Earth. <sighs> well, okay, there's a theory that some people have that I cannot fucking find. But they talk about the dome builders because it's supposed to be like... Oh, God. Yeah. And, like, do you know how hard it is to fucking find anything about the dome builders? Because even people in Flat Earth think that that's dumb. But I think it's the most... Like, I find it to be so fascinating. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Like, how even Flat Earthers have to draw a line. They're like, no, we will not talk about the domes. (laughs) But, but yeah, uh, but yeah, I, I like to think it'd be real funny if, <laughs> like, it, like, Christopher Columbus would probably make bank nowadays. Oh, 100%. Yeah. He'd be like, yeah, that's right, the King and Queen sent me out on three shitty ships and I still made it. <laughs> Maps evidently showing the Carboniferous world of a hundred million or more years ago displayed significant rifts and chasms destined later to separate Africa from the once continuous realms of Europe, then Volusia of hellish primal legend, Asia and the Americas, and the Antarctic continent. Other charts, and most significantly one with connection with the founding 50 million years ago of the vast dead city around us, shooed all the present continents well differentiated. And in the largest discoverable specimen, dating perhaps from the Pliocene Age, the approximate world of today appeared quite clearly despite the linkage of Alaska with Siberia, of North America with Europe, through Greenland, and of South America with the Antarctic continent through Gramland. In the coniferous map, the whole globe, ocean floor, and rifted landmass alike bore symbols of the Antarctic became very plain. The final Pliocene specimen showed no land cities except in the Antarctic continent and the tip of South America, nor any ocean cities north of the 15th parallel of South Latitude. Knowledge and interest in the northern world, save for the study of coastlines, probably made during the long exploration flights on those fan-like membranous wings, had evidently declined to zero among the old ones. 
destruction of the cities through the upthrust of mountains, the centrifugal rending of continents, the seismic convulsions of land or sea bottom, and other natural causes was a matter of common record. And it was curious to observe how fewer and fewer replacements were made as the ages wore on. The vast dead megalopolis that yawned around us seemed to be the last general center of the race. Built early in the Cretaceous Age, after a titanic earthbuckling and obliterated a still vaster predecessor not far distant, it appeared that this general region was most sacred spot of all, where reputedly the first old ones had settled on a primal sea bottom in the new city, many of whose features we could recognize in the sculptures, but which stretched fully in a hundred miles along the mountain range in each direction beyond the farthest limits of our aerial survey. There were reputed to be preserved certain sacred stones, forming part of the first sea-bottom city, which were thrust up into light after long epochs in the course of the general crumbling of strata. And that's the end of Chapter 7. Okay, again, it's a great story, but I don't think I would believe him. No. No, like, it seems too convenient. Yeah, like... You don't just, like, lose most of your party in the Antarctic and come back with this story without either going, like, snow mad or you ate them. Yeah. Something bad had to have happened. 100%. Yeah. (sighs) But we did learn some fun facts about the Wiggly Boys. Yeah, no, I like like the idea of this. I could definitely steal the, uh, the whole the whole thing to be part of my D&D campaign. <laughs> so, you know. I do find it very interesting that he describes them as, like, having emotions. Yeah, I don't know how he would... I mean, obviously, like, things that could create art and whatnot have to have some emotions. Yeah. Like, they have to. Yeah. And they don't have to reproduce. They don't need each other to reproduce. And yet they all live together. Yeah. Like in very close quarters. Yeah, so like, it's interesting. I like it. It's just, I don't believe him. (laughs) It's kind of, I know, I wouldn't believe him. I'd be like, you definitely ate your party, but okay. (laughs) You wild, keep going. (laughs) It's okay, we're just gonna give you some cocaine now. (laughs) We're gonna give you some cocaine to get the ghosts out of your blood. And but then I want you to take this this laudanum later. <laughs> after, after, if the cocaine makes you a little jittery, take this heroin. <laughs> I'll calm you right down. <laughs> Don't worry, this morphine will help you out. <laughs> God damn. Uh, speaking of, fucking hell, I need to watch the Nick again. I keep on thinking about the Nick. Uh, I know we talked about it before, but watch the Nick. It's good. It's really good. Yeah. Um... Yeah, I don't know. What, what, what? I guess we're just gonna end it. What it was? Yeah, I, I like, don't know. There's like, not much else to say. I, I love except that they're eugenicists. Yeah. I don't like that, obviously, but I do like the Wiggly Boys. Yeah, the Wiggly Boys seem. I, you know what? I'm gonna put them as a cautious fave right now. And they're slightly problematic, and that's fine. Uh, now. Are they, are they ever going to beat the Zoogs? Probably never. Nothing oh, will beat the God. Zoogs. I mean, the Zoogs full-on ate people, and I was like, you know what? You know, I'm, you I, know I, what? I talk about cannibalism too much to think that eating humans is a bad thing. So They did almost eat a cat, which 
Okay. Yeah, like, yeah, but also, like, it's, I don't know. Humans ain't cats. That is true. That is true. Yeah. All right. Well, this has been Over in Smith. And remember, you are an irreplaceable gash in the fabric of reality. Your keening static howl is like no other. And if it faded from the abyss, the void that would remain would be unfillable. And the mansions of silence would forever fill with our lament. Okay, bye. Bye. At the edge of a universe humming a tune. For merely dreaming we were snow. A siren sounds like the goddess who promises endless apologies of paradise. And only she can make it right. So things are different tonight. Together in flight. It's now and never, or every endeavor awaits somnambulant directives to take the Stars were made for falling Like melting obelisks as tall as another earth.